Hello, and welcome to the Let's Talk Fucking Cancer podcast. We are your support, so let's talk fucking cancer. Welcome back to the Let's Talk Fucking Cancer podcast. I'm Leah, and I'm joined this week, as usual, with uh, by my fabulous co-host, Colette. Hello, hello, everyone. And our fabulous producer, Julia. Hello. And our very special guest this week, my friend, Faith. Welcome, Faith. Thank you. So, uh, like... Colette, <laughs> uh, my dear friend Crystal introduced uh, me to you. Uh, we were vacationing in a tropical, beautiful place. Doesn't that seem to be a theme here? We meet through Crystal on a vacation. On a vacation. Yeah, because <laughs> she's never home. That's why. Hi, Crystal. We have, we have to chase her down. <laughs> yeah, if you want to spend time with her, you got to travel. And she's worth it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I just... I loved you just instantly from the minute we met and um, just enjoyed your sense of humor and just everything about you. So nice. And then um, unfortunately, you uh, have you were diagnosed with cancer. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was a whole journey that you've been through and that you're going to share with us. And so um, why don't you share with us a little bit about life before cancer? Sure. Uh, well, I'll tell you, I was kind of on top of the world. Um, I'm a lobbyist by day. Um, had been with my uh, then boyfriend for a few years. We had just bought a house. Um, everything was kind of moving along well. Um, COVID hit. Oh, COVID. And, you know, the world shut down, which was kind of fine with me at that point. I was ready for a break anyway. So was really enjoying working from home and kind of hanging out and my husband's in the restaurant industry. Um, and he was trying to save all six restaurants he oh. manages. Oh. Um, and so I got some really great alone time. I'm going to have to be honest, <laughs> but I was floating along doing really well. Um, until about October, about this time, uh, in October, 2020. Okay. Um, and, uh, I'll go right into it if you want. I'm ready to just dive yeah, right dive in. in. Okay. Dive in. Tell us all about it. Yeah. Um, it. I I work out a lot. It's kind of the only way that I deal with uh, stress and mental health issues. Um, you know, like anxiety and weirdly enough, health anxiety, which I've had my whole life, and I think that I've been told is an outcome of just having general control issues. Um, oh. and everybody you. I know we'll tell you that. My mom is looking at me. I am. I'm like, does, does it sound familiar to weird. you? That's weird. Uh, and I was had just gotten a Peloton, actually, and started getting this kind of really weird, dull ache in my side. And I'm thinking, I'm now spinning twice a day because I have nothing else to do but sit on Zooms and sit on my Peloton. So I'm thinking it's nothing that that big. Um, and it went on for a few weeks and, and I finally, it was, it was the one time I got to be honest that I didn't think to myself, it's gotta be cancer, oh, right? Wow. Like I get a cut on my hand and I'm like, ah, flesh eating bacteria disease. I'm, I'm dying <laughs> right. in a week. Right. Or I've got a headache and it's obviously a brain tumor. I'm, I'm, I, I'm definitely yep. dying next week. <laughs> this time I was like, ah, it's gotta be the Peloton. I'm, I'm a healthy, you know, 40 year old, just turned 40. Um, well, that was kind of one of the things that shocked me about your diagnosis. And I told my mom, my friends are too young for cancer. Right. 
And my mom said, there is no age for cancer. And it was like, oh, geez. Yeah. Yeah. I I felt young. I felt very healthy and, and vibrant, probably the healthiest I'd ever felt. Um, and my brother, who's a nurse practitioner, I got on the phone. I said, hey, you know, I'm having this weird pain. And, you know, is it am I, am I, is it appendicitis? Like, am I going to die in a week from appendicitis? Uh, he said, no, but I bet you're having a gallbladder attack and it's probably not good. So this is a Sunday and he's like, you should probably just go to the ER. So I'm like, where's the nicest ER? I'm going to go up to Roseville Kaiser because I have the time. There's nothing wrong with right. me. So I drive up to Kaiser Roseville, which is a beautiful ER. Um, and it's where my brother actually works. And so I walk in. My brother's an, an NP there. So I'm kind of ushered through pretty quickly in the good. middle of COVID, Very which good. was abominable now that I think back to it. No, no. <laughs> just very surprising because you don't get ushered in anywhere. Right, in right. AR, so that's great. Well, God got me back for that one, let me tell you. So, you know, they do the usual, usual markup. I, I my doctor's name is Dr. Snyder. He's super rad. Uh, and he tells me all these stories about my brother. And he's like, we're just gonna, you know, do an ultrasound to make sure it's, it's your gallbladder. And I'm I'm sitting in the ultrasound, uh, and the tech is rubbing the wand all over the place where I say it's it's hurting. And he looks at me and he says, "Have you had your gallbladder out?" And I'm like, "God, have I?" Right. I feel like I remember that. I don't think I have. <laughs> like I don't remember waking up in a bathtub of ice in Mexico anywhere. Right. Like, Not this time. Yeah. <laughs> Not this time. Not lately. <laughs> Um, so he was very quiet and I still thought maybe he's just a really bad ultrasound. <laughs> this guy sucks at his You're job. Like, is my brother, is, is my brother fucking with me? Right? Is this a janitor? <laughs> no wonder Kaiser's on strike. It's because they're, they're like hiring people who don't know how to do their job. So I walk out and I mean, the waiting area, you guys, for Kaiser, Roseville, when you've had any kind of test, is this like super awesome lounge area? Oh. And, I mean, there's recliners in there. The news is on. I'm like kicked back. I'm like, maybe I'll go in for gallbladder surgery right away. Everybody's gonna feel super sorry for me. It's gonna be great. I'll get flowers. <laughs> <laughs> and I get up to go to the bathroom, and I walk back to the waiting room, and Doctor Snyder comes out, and he's just kind of like, his face is just struck with fear. Oh. And I just froze. And I don't remember feeling anything. And he looked at me and he said, you have an enormous mass. I can't find your kidney. I can't find your gallbladder. And we need to get you into C CT scan right away. Oh, my gosh. This is COVID. So nobody's there with me. Right. Uh, right. I, I look at him and I'm kind of just numb. I'm not feeling anybody yet. And I said, can I call my boyfriend? And he says, you can, but he can't come inside. Oh, jeez. Uh, so I'm just struck there. I'm I'm just I'm just standing there, kind of struck. He goes off to order the CT. I'm standing there alone, left just to feel all the feels, just feel oh. all the feels. Uh, oh. And um, so I call my brother after my boyfriend, who just hops in the car and rushes up. I call my brother, who his, it was his day off, and he immediately put on his scrubs yep. and just came through the hospital, mm -hmm. right? Um, and okay, was able I'm to glad. be with me. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Kaiser let him in. They all knew who he was. Um, and so they they rushed me off to this CT. And, and I remember just being on the bed going through the CT and the radiologist was just looking at me like, 
kind of blank because I I was bawling like as I was going into this too. Yeah. Um, just not knowing kind of what the outcome would be right. um, of this situation. And it's it's like everything just stops. You start thinking about all these plans that you have for the next day. I, I started thinking about my work schedule, yeah. right? Like I started thinking about what is my dad going to say when I call him? Mm-hmm. Um, I remember one of the nurses coming in and looking at me and saying, after the CT scan, you know, it's really big, but everywhere around it is clear. So I bet oh, you're going to be fine. <laughs> oh, God. Wow. And I was like, so we boo? Yeah. Thanks, doctor. You're not. But I mean, it was just everybody oh. was like, I've got my first taste of liquid Ativan, which mm. was amazing. <laughs> I was going to say, it works really well, doesn't it? It w- works so great. Um, <laughs> Should I put that on my Mexico shopping list? Yes. <laughs> I go in to get blood drawn now, and I'm like, do you have the liquid Ativan, though? <laughs> like, oh, urine test? I bet you need liquid Ativan for that. <laughs> just, just, you know. You don't test up. for liquid Ativan, do you? <laughs> <laughs> oh. Uh, so it was a long night in the ER. I drove myself home because I told oh, I told my boyfriend, yeah. just there's no reason to be here. Just go home. I drove myself home and I'm still just thinking, weird. I have no idea what, what happened. Yeah. Uh, it took them um, about three days to get a needle biopsy off my liver. The mass was resting on my liver, had pretty much swallowed my kidney wow. and my gallbladder and was kind of a butt to um my diaphragm wow um after the biopsy it took them 12 days to figure out what it was so now you were at 15 days so this is two weeks yes and you're still wondering still wondering oh it, I, i'm still wondering and if the it's, worst case scenario is i've got three months over. two months right yeah. right right i'm googling like the size of this tumor where it is um, I'm trying to take up yoga in this period of time. I take up wee gummies. Oh, yeah. Like they are basically <laughs> my lunch, breakfast, dinner. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think positive, but that does not come naturally to me. Um, and I, I don't remember very much of that period. I started re I started watching Shits Creek. Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Which, because I needed something to take my mind off. Right. Yeah. Um, rewatched Gilmore Girls for time number 22. <laughs> Um, my mom and I were just recommending, uh, one of my very, one, my best friend was, um, down with COVID and she was asking me about show, you know, shows recommendations. And my, I was asking my mom and she was like, Gilmore Girls. I'm like, yeah. oh my God. Yes. That's always it's a go to yep. every year, September. I'm on <laughs> season two right now for time 23. <laughs> uh, but finally, um, and, and this is kind of probably the worst part of my treatment was um I had to call Kaiser to finally get my diagnosis. You're kidding. No. And what I had to do was my good friend Frank has an internal medicine doctor at Kaiser South Mm -hmm. who finally looked into my radiology report, um, which had to be sent out to Mayo Clinic, um, and said, I remember him saying it it's what I heard was siloid sarcoma. Okay. Because he didn't know what it was. Yeah. So do you think that's why they hadn't said anything yet? They didn't know what to even call it yet? They they didn't know what to call it. It was so rare that they weren't even sure that was it. Wow. And they still aren't. Okay. 
And what I found out was that it's called epithelioid sarcoma. Um, it's a soft tissue tumor, um, which can come off, you know, come out of your skin, um, the lining of your internal organs. Um, mine was wrapped around my um, IVC, which is the, as you know, the, yeah. the largest blood vessel in your body. Um, sarcomas are already rare. This is like the rarest of the rare naturally wow. of course um i couldn't just be easy and you know get something breast that, cancer right <laughs> yeah everybody loves breast cancer right? you guys get your own color we you have get our, our own month, month. <laughs> hey epithelioid sarcoma is coming up in the cancer world oh hell okay. yeah <laughs> i'm going to make it happen there you go I'm it's gonna be sure on trend june is <laughs> and i think it's the the ribbon is yellow oh it, it's yellow and our okay. flower is a sarcoma or a sunflower, sunflower yes. yeah our, our oh. flower is a sunflower yeah i mean it's it's 1994 faith conley is what it is <laughs> sunflowers everywhere in your honor yes in my honor it was meant to be epithelioid <laughs> sarcoma um which uh turns out is quite deadly <laughs> quite not great um the outcomes are usually uh if if they don't you know get the entire tumor out of your body because um these solid, the these soft tissue sarcomas tend to metastasize. Um, if they don't, then the primary option is surgery. And okay. if they don't get it all out, it's about a twenty percent five year survival rate. Oh my gosh! Um, which is really awesome to, to Google. Um, oh, Google's oh, the worst. <laughs> Right. Ooh, and tell me what it was like three o'clock in the morning and all the lights mm -hmm. in your house are off and you're just up by yourself yes. and your husband's snoring right next yep. to you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. He's sleeping oh, yeah. soundly Perfect. and I'm like, oh, cool. I'm going to die. I was going to say, Google told me I right. was goner oh yeah yep. oh totally Ugh. um and, and you know what? i've been we should petition google turn off webmd between the hours of 10 p.m <laughs> and 6 a.m exactly 24 7 because i gotta be telling you i've been a webmd doctor since i was about 20 years mm -hmm. old mm -hmm. when i used to like feel up my my own lymph nodes in my neck to the point where i would be bruised up the next day oh, no. thinking i'm like i definitely have lymphoma you guys oh, no <laughs> you just have a sore throat you idiot so like i'm this sounds like me. I'm not even kidding. I right was now. gonna say. I kept looking at her, going, "Does this sound familiar? Does it sound familiar, child?" It's like every day if something goes wrong, I'm man. Like, let me check tell this you. out. Like yeah. there's this new thing. I think I'm, you know, I have all kinds of things. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, it's control issues. Let me tell you. Uh, so Julia is the eldest. <laughs> yes, she is. Yes, I. See, am. I'm the youngest. Maybe that. I think it's just control issues. Yeah. Accept it. That's going to serve you That's at not, some point. Not surprising. <laughs> it's going to serve you. I promise. Um, I went and uh, got a second opinion at uh, MD Anderson. Actually, okay, good. Which is out of pocket for me. I and oh. still COVID, so I flew uh, solo to Houston oh. um, and had a uh, an appointment. They have an, a really great, actually, sarcoma division of their hospital. Um, they probably do, uh, they and Memorial Sloan Kettering probably do uh, the most sarcoma treatment in oh, the country. Okay. So I show up, my doctor is super hot. <laughs> I'm like, well, I don't know what to do here. Uh, but I made it through. And the first thing he said to me was, have you filled out an advanced care directive? Oh, my gosh. Which I've since learned, he says to everyone. <laughs> But it's not what you want to no. hear right then. You're Hello, just... nice to meet you. Have you filled out an advanced oh, care directive? This is not the kind of 
bedroom, I'm sorry, bedside talk. No. I was like, no. ease me into it a little, please. Right. Uh, yeah. I, I'm assuming that is paperwork for worst case scenario situations. Is that correct? Yes. Or Okay. It's so it's paperwork for if you pass. Oh, I see. What do you want done? Do oh, you, I see. Oh, are wow. you a, are you do not resuscitate? Are what do you want done? So it goes through all the all the questions of if if you were not to make it. What a terrible thing to hear yeah. and be asked for sure. <laughs> and as I was leaving, I've been out of the hospital for quite some time now, but it was becoming a very common thing and a first question they want us to ask everyone. And okay. I worked in critical care. So anyone coming into critical care did not want that question asked. <laughs> and they're like, did you ask him about that? And I'm like, not yet. The first Give one I got. Give a minute. When they're I like, got- I broke my finger. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, so when I got good insurance, the first time I got good insurance, I just, I went to my doctor. I wanted to get, you know, I wanted to establish, um, I wanted to become an established patient. And I go in and they're like, have you filled out an advanced directive? I'm like, oh, God. I'm 32. Right. Wait, what? Right. Like, yeah. I What? It's pretty, it's a terrible, there's got to be a nicer way to yeah. do it. Like, hey, have you taken a look at paperwork that would tell us what you want done with your dog? Like, do that. <laughs> That's going to exactly. get me. So, right? <laughs> well, that and I actually, side note, we, I had this conversation a couple of weeks ago with my husband. We actually do need to figure out if something hap- were to happen. We're, we're, what the heck happens to my dog? Yeah, because it's an important question. It, it is. is, and you know that I want them to well, remain I will in come the back. lifestyle to which they are. Yes. Absolutely, I will come back and haunt your ass. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> that girl is crystal should bed. end up with them. <laughs> That's actually brilliant, right? After this call, we're calling Crystal. She's getting all we're nineteen like, of our just dogs. so you know, all the dogs, even my my monster. <laughs> of a dog will go we'll give you the muzzle with it it's fine yeah we have a couple muzzles <laughs> give me the muzzle okay so hot doctor yeah she if you hot have doctor directive. yes um this goes out to dr rattan at uh md anderson thank you sir uh you know he came out and, and said he had never seen epithelial sarcoma present this way as in just a single tumor um it basically started killing itself. It had what they call calcified. Okay. Um, about probably 80% of it was dead. Um, wow. My body had just been like, not today. You're not getting me. Um, and had See, started control killing issues it. work well. It did, right? <laughs> it came in handy. They are also internal. Your immune <laughs> system was like, we have plans right. out the way. Do yeah. you know, Faith? Right. Every cell was just like, mm, I don't think so. Yeah. No. <laughs> I don't want to tell her. I'm not going to tell her. <laughs> to tell her. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. My own body's afraid of me. <laughs> that actually tracks. Um <laughs> And he said, you know, we've got something that's called a GIST tumor, which I'm sure you heard of, mm-hmm. which is gastrointestinal stromal tumor that's not as deadly. I'm thinking, hell yeah. Um, he says, maybe that's it. But it, usually by now with how large this tumor is, it's been in there a while and it would have already metastasized. And for um, for an abdominal sarcoma, usually the metastasis goes to the lungs um, and the liver. Yeah. My tumor was resting on my liver. And did not. Did not metastasize into my liver. Wow. Which none of this was really known until surgery later, Mm -hmm. which is a long story that I'm sure we will get to. We will get to, Um, yes. So, you know, MD Anderson basically agreed with 
Kaiser's plan. Um, and actually, Dr. Rattan spoke with my oncologist at Kaiser. I, I cannot begin to explain how much luckier I am than I would say 70% of the people I follow on social media who have had cancer with wow. respect to um, my treatment. Right. Uh, and the quickness and thoroughness of what happened to me. It, yeah, because it was kind of a wham-bam. It was wham-bam. It did yeah. not feel like it at the time. Um, once I got back to Kaiser, the decision was it has to come out, yeah. obviously. Um, the problem was it was wrapped around the one blood vessel that is really hard to do anything yeah. with. Um, and they didn't know how they were going to get it out. Um, but there was no option to leave it in there. Um my oncologist had Kaiser had to reach out to three or four Kaiser surgery and surgeons up and down the state. Um, and each time I would get a call that they had said no, that they couldn't oh, do wow. it. Yeah. Um, and my Kaiser oncologist, bless her heart. Um, and this is not to be uh, meant to be uh, derogatory at all, but there was an English language barrier. Um, she was great, but she, the way she presented it to me every time was they said it's inoperable, oh, um, no. which wasn't the case. No. It's just that they couldn't they do it. weren't right, right. willing to do it. Right. Um, but every time I heard that, it was like, uh, cool. I, I don't, you know, there's no next step after that with sarcoma. Um, right. Chemo is for sarcoma. Um, it is such an underfunded line of um, research. Oh, okay. Um, because it's so rare right. that, uh, especially for epithelioid, there's one chemo line really? that they figured out will work. Jeez. Um, radiation, it basically gives the middle finger to radiation. It was like, you know, oh uh, now I'm gosh. coming back even harder. Oh, Which chemo wow. is that? Um, it's Doxa, it, it's oh, the Doxa. aim, uh, Doxacillinrubicillinrubicillinrubicillinrubicillinrubicillinrubicillinrubicillinrubicillinrubicillinrubicillinrubicillinrubicillinrubicillinrubicillinrubicillinrubicillinrubicillinrubicillinrubicill
within two days, I had a call from Dr. Corvera at UC San, San Francisco. Um, who t- he started the Zoom call with, I can do this. Oh, now that's yes. the approach you take. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that was a, he met me and that was the first thing he said. He, he looked me in the eye from the Zoom and he's like, I can do this. Oh, thank God. And I, I will never forget that moment. Yeah. I'm never going to forget that man. Yeah. Um, in that moment, I think I remember you telling me in that moment, it gave you hope. It, the, probably the first time I had true, true hope, really. And how long had this been now from? This was just, this was two months later. Two months later. Yeah. Okay. This wow. was um, December. Okay. You know, I had just, uh, I just come off a, a week of watching like Stepmom and, um, what's that one where she starts screaming at somebody in the hospital because they won't give her cancerous daughter pain medication? Oh my gosh! Is it <laughs> the- oh, Shirley MacLaine? Yes. Um, what is the name of it? Ten. Uh, oh my god! How are Julia's like? I have no idea. Well, yeah, oh Julia wasn't born <laughs> yet. It wasn't Julia Roberts, the daughter. Was this no, the it's one? Like no, Annette Benning, yes. Shirley MacLaine. Yeah, it. We'll, we'll we'll edit that back in. Yeah, yes. <laughs> we'll remember and edit. But I'm that watching in. all these like cancer movies, right? Uh, Annette Benning and Shirley MacLaine. <laughs> it has to work really hard. We have terrible Wi-Fi in here. Oh, <laughs> tender, tender. It's like something about is it either a star or a deer or a deer? Uh, uh, <laughs> Not mommy dearest. That's no, different. That's- <laughs> I hope you weren't watching that one either. <laughs> no. I mean, I was into some horror movies at that point, but then I started getting scared about going to hell if I died. So, oh, God. <laughs> but yeah, so I'm watching all, I'm like watching all these movies of like beautiful cancer stories. Oh. I'm like, if I die, you know, I'm going to go out this way. And then that news comes and, it, you know, it, it, it was amazing. I, I was scheduled for surgery in February of 2021. Wow. Which felt like forever, right? Yeah. I'm thinking this is going to metastasize by then, right? And they all kept telling me that thing is the size of a Kia, oh, and it's half dead, <laughs> like a Kia. Yeah. So <laughs> that thing's not going anywhere, right? But I'm just on edge for two months. I can't Hard. imagine. Um, I, oh no, I could not imagine. Yeah, and, and the fact that you know, it had already been two months, and now it's yeah. two months later. Yeah. Ding, ding, ding. Terms of endearment. Terms Thank of you. endearment. Oh, yes. I had the tea and you had the deer. And we yeah. could have come to something at that point together after a few hours. Thank God for Google. Oh, yeah. uh, so I made it through the holidays, um, you know, thinking this could be my last Christmas. I mean, I think uh-huh. that every year still. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it's just a, it's this weird like time stopping feeling, mm-hmm. especially during COVID and anybody you have on who has been diagnosed or dealt with it during COVID. It's like this added layer of loved ones not being able to come to your biopsy. Right. My brother was able to come. My brother was a rock star. Um, also fentanyl. Don't do fentanyl. <laughs> the, good kind. the good kind of fentanyl is really awesome. Not the kind that kills you. <laughs> the kind uh, that's admitter- administered by professionals. By professionals. <laughs> uh, yes, don't do drugs, children. <laughs> uh, but I'm, I mean, the, the COVID just added a layer of severe loneliness. Yeah. Um, and COVID was not over in February 2021. No, well, I was going to say not to skip ahead, but... On compounded on top of that was after your surgery, being in the hospital, 
and not being able to have visitors. I mean, this really, it was hard on us, but you had everything like being thrown at you at that point in time. Yeah. And I would say it was a blessing and a curse. The curse part was uh, Ben was able to come every day and he drove from Sacramento to San Francisco. Mm. Uh, my brother would come up. It was just one visitor a day, okay. um, which was better than nothing. Um, but throughout the process, I mean, the hospital is quiet too, right? I mean, they've severely cut the amount of patients they're taking in at that point. Right. Um, my surgery was considered... A part of a life-threatening mm-hmm. uh, treatment right. procedure. Otherwise, it wouldn't have been scheduled. And so everything was kind of quiet. Yeah, I was thinking about how hard it was to get any kind of treatment or anything that was not COVID at the time. So thank God. Yeah. Thank God that they found them at, at UCSF, right? UCSF, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they were able to get this done during this horrible time of COVID. Yeah. It, I mean, I truly... I truly feel thankful for that. Um, and Dr. Corvera at UC San Francisco. So if you ever feel like you're in a spot where you need some kind of abdominal surgery that nobody else will do, if you're in Easy that one-tenth of a tenth percent mm-hmm. like I was, seek them out. Uh, it was about, I believe, a 11-hour surgery. Wow. Um, showed up at 5 a.m. at UC San Francisco. Uh, and he removed a kidney, my gallbladder, an adrenal gland, my spleen, an inch of my liver, and then cut out about 10 inches of my IVC and replaced it with Gore-Tex, which if you shop at REI a lot, you'll know that if you like camping, which I don't, (laughs) um, apparently it works really well in the rain. So yeah, I I just know they make Gore-Tex makes really great winter gloves. Yes. (laughs) And veins and veins and blood vessels. (laughs) You know what? I buy Gore-Tex everything now. We support Gore-Tex. This is Gore-Tex should actually sponsor this podcast, right? (laughs) So the vein that they didn't even want to touch—they took ten inches, ten inches of it. Wow! So I mean, did they just clip and cut and go real quick? Like, I mean, that's a great question that I wasn't ever ready to ask until probably now. Um, well, I apologize they that clamp? I just ripped that no, out. Right. No, just like, they, to, just like, like we ripped my blood vessel. Yeah, they, <laughs> yeah, you ripped it right out. That's that's a great question. Um, I'm not sure. Uh, they basically cut it and then redirect the blood outside mm. of your body. Mm-hmm. Uh, do the Gore-Tex yeah. stuff and then reattach everything. Yeah. Just yeah. Like a little bypass. I was saying yeah. some kind of bypass probably and yeah. then reconnect. Wow. A little racetrack action where you know your blood's just <laughs> floating everywhere in this tubes in this room Gosh. um and then replaced it with gore-tex and was like hey take a couple aspirin every day and kick me out of the hospital after 11 days but oh my gosh. um it was kind of insane he i remember waking up and my husband was there and and he was crying and he said, Dr. Corvera talked to him for 45 minutes after he got out of his 11 hour surgery. Oh my gosh. Talked to my husband for 45 minutes, walking him through everything he did and said to Ben, there is no way we didn't get it all. And when I went in there, the tumor actually just slid off all of her organs because they still don't know what it was attached to. They don't know where it came from. Oh my gosh. Oh, so they don't even know where it started. 
They don't know if it came Whoa. from the blood vessel. They don't know if it came. They're calling it a liver mass because it was there, right? It was laying on your liver. Because it was laying on but my liver just chilling. No, that is insane. There were, it was so calcified that there were no like liver cells attached to it, right? Or a kidney cell. Um, there were renal cells, I should say. Right. Um, it just slid out. So they took the inch of the liver for did they see to get clean margins mm-hmm. oh, oh I just to, so they sure. yeah so okay. they biopsied the liver mm-hmm. a piece that they took they biopsied my kidney um and they biopsied my vest blood vessel right. and couldn't find tumor so they just don't they have no idea where it came Whoa. from interesting that is insane isn't that weird so on top yeah. of it being rare it's they don't even know mystery. where it, it's a mystery yeah. You really wow. are. I just need to send Scooby Doo and his team in there. <laughs> yeah, find it, root it out, root it out. So that was that. Wow. They sent me home. And since Kaiser was my home insurance, they sent me kind of home thinking that Kaiser would do the follow up with like aftercare. Right. Which was like, take, pop some oxy, friend, and like sail along in your day. I don't really do pain pills no, um, right. for a variety of reasons I won't get onto on this. <laughs> on this call, the side effects are not worth it. For me, um, I was I was never told what do you do if you only have one kidney. I was never told like how long am you know how long am I gonna your be kidding? Like, so you no. had none they didn't of talk this about follow this up during your no. eleven There's days. There's no pamphlet that they send no home on what no. to do after epithelial. Now there are co- pamphlets on how not to get addicted to oxycodone. <laughs> oh my! But God. not what to do if you have one kidney, one kidney and we or your no blood vessel and, right. and, and yeah. inch of your liver and. Yeah. You have gore to like none. Here's what of to this. do, friend. If you basically have a rain jacket living inside of you, <laughs> no, no. I only learned a couple months ago when I was finally ready to Google things that I'm not supposed to take ibuprofen. Oh no, no. Which is fine. I don't. But I'm, yeah. Just, <laughs> yeah that, maybe so there was I just should have been told this, right? Wow. A breakdown of uh, information sharing there. Um, you, you were know, there for eleven days. I, was like, there I, I don't days. understand how in any of that so time. So, did your they... Kaiser oncologist follow up with you during those eleven days? Uh, so no. Um, and mainly because I was transferring myself to another oncologist. Oh. Um, because the language barrier had caused a lot of just undue stress yeah. for me because I I couldn't understand. Mm-hmm. Um what was being told to me. Um, And so I was in the process of changing to a Santa Clara oncologist um, with Kaiser. And so that transfer hadn't really come because I I was kind of floating out there really. Yeah. Just wow. um, Waiting for someone to kind of like grab your hand and go, Hey, this way. Oh, you lived. Great. Here's your next step. (laughs) They're like, Ooh, weren't expecting that. Right. (gasps) Oh my God. Crap. Yeah. They, the book just ends there. Right. Yeah. They Sorry, haven't finished the next chapter yet. Make it, so we didn't really uh, didn't do the research. You could write us. the next chapter. Apparently, you know so, a little bit more than step, they do. Next step. My book is coming out soon. <laughs> <laughs> but Gosh. yeah, you know, I, I kind of floated out there for, honestly, probably until about April. Wow. Wow. Um, when my new oncologist was like, you need a scan. Okay. Um, and we had our our first real meeting. but. Since, you know, since UCSF said we got it all, Kaiser was like, sweet. Cool. Yeah. Thanks We're for done. that. <laughs> Paid the tab and left a tip and got <laughs> <laughs> And she's on her way now. She's all better. Leave. She's Let cool. Let her go. She's cool. 
Yeah. So now what did that meeting with your oncologist look like? Or was it just pat you on the back and see you in a year for a scan? No, um, he's great. Uh, again, uh, well, he retired. Um, <laughs> so, what I know. It's honestly like if you've had cancer, it's like losing a parent yeah, almost, right? It is. You start to trust somebody yeah. and then they're like, I'm 70 years old and don't want to do this oh, anymore. No. I'm like, I don't blame you. My radiation oncologist just retired and I'm six years out and it oh, freaked yeah. me out. And yeah. I'm, she's like, Colette, you're okay. I'm not the <laughs> only one who knows this years. stuff. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Like, but, but, <laughs> you know, you just, I mean, no. you just, you, it's like you're the baby and they're yeah. taking care of you. Yeah. Um, that first call was actually probably the most comprehensive call I'd had with an oncologist. Um, and it was because he uh, had a history in the world of sarcoma. He was a sarcoma specialist. Um, he was very in tune with current research and clinical trials. Good. Okay, good. Um, but he was he was honest. He said, you're the second epithelial sarcoma. And this guy was old and been doing this for a oh. long time. Um, epithelial sarcoma has not been, was not named until 1990. Oh my gosh. You're kidding me. Is the instance, I think when you shared with everybody, um, that it was epithelioid sarcoma when I went to the internets, Mm -hmm. um, is that there's like only five people diagnosed every year. Like, I mean, oh it's my gosh. It, the population is so small that that's one reason why it hasn't been studied. We have a Facebook group um, that's global, obviously. And I think all, at all any time there's... You are in there. Th- that's right. <laughs> it's about, I think, at 98 people right You're now. You're kidding me. That I includes was totally the people kidding. that are dead. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Rest in peace. Uh, thank wow. you for your service. But yeah, that includes the people who have, have passed on from it. Wow. Um, and, uh, you know, you've seen the fundraisers I do. And and what I try to get across to people is this just this isn't just a general cancer fundraiser. This is literally money going to this one fund yeah. in Oregon focused on epithelioid oh sarcoma my gosh. that right now has maybe $122,000 in it. Um, wow. And if you're in the clinical world, uh, that's, that's not a lot of money. Nothing. Yeah. I mean, depending on the chemo, that's not even going to I was going to say, no. Right. Um, and they've got people working on it really hard. We have um, a researcher in Italy who uh, his daughter lost her hand to um, epithelial sarcoma. And so he is very invested in okay. treatment options. Um, but it's like him, me, and maybe three other people in the world that are focused on getting more treatment on- options for Jeez. not only epithelial sarcoma, but um, soft tissue sarcomas at all. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, I am just so sorry that you went through this, but I'm so glad you can speak about it and we can get the word out because I knew nothing about, I mean, I knew your story and what you were going through, but I knew nothing about epithelial, epithelial sarcoma. I I can't even even pronounce it well for. Right. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. And, um, you know, it's if even if they do get all of the cancer removed, it's about a forty percent chance that it comes back within five years. I am on year uh, two and a half. Um, three is kind of my diagnosis anniversary on October twentieth. Uh, okay. Um, and I have to get scanned every three months, um, okay. which is a okay. 
hell on earth in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Um, you get the ski anxiety. I get the ski anxiety, mm-hmm. uh, which I would have laughed at before all of this. Mm-hmm. And the toll even that takes on your brain and body is like, um, you know, we're all women here. You get PMS once a month, right? Stuff that you would have never thought would be associated with your hormones, like throws you into overdrive. And that's what happens with scanxiety. It's like, it's almost physical, like, oh, absolutely. The pain you get, you Mm -hmm. know how this is. Absolutely. Um, And my mind just stops working for like the three days beforehand, where at work, I'm like basically just kind of dialing it in. Yeah. Um, And just this last scan is the first time I've been able to go back to work the day of after having the scan in the morning. Okay. Yep. Um, I'll be every three months for the first four years. Okay. And then it goes to every year. And then it goes to every two years. So sarcoma is known as um, the forever cancer. You're never cured of it. Oh, wow. It can always come back. Um, yeah. Uh, so, you know, you can go into remission, what it's what they call no evidence of disease, which is what I'm luckily in right now. Um, there's a couple spots on my lungs that they've been watching that seems to be pretty benign. Um, but at any point I, you know, I've seen stories where it comes back after seven or eight years and it kills them. Um, so identification, Finding it um, via right. scan is the the best okay way yeah. to get it. Gosh, um, I'm working with the cancer coach, and she it's it's been amazing because she's helping me through survivorship or survivorship, and um, air quotes <laughs> the guilt, the- yeah, and the guilt and the the living between fear and grief and all of that stuff. But it's been a huge eye opener. Shout out to Abby Keller. Love her dearly. Um, but definitely she could always be a resource too. Yeah. Yeah. I, so, you know, that's one of the things I looked, I, I looked for, um, when I was first diagnosed was it's really hard to find, you, you need a therapist to get through that. Absolutely. And Kaiser's really good about, um, it's what they provide what's called a social worker that's kind of the conduit between you and your oncologist. Um, But they kind of they deal with the freakouts, right? Where my social worker at one point said, Faith, you're not dying. We just have to find somebody that's going to take it out. I promise you're not dying today. You're not dying tomorrow. But I couldn't find a therapist that specialized in cancer or facing, you know, the idea of death or what it takes to get through a scan. Yeah. Um, I just never find that. That moment to moment where um, I was saying prior to my little moment there um, that I thought I was totally fine going into, I was like, I'm on year six. I'm good this Mm -hmm. time. And I went into my checkup two weeks ago. A week yep. ago, uh, week yeah, ago. week yep. ago, mm-hmm. and um, I got triggered, and I wasn't expecting it, and I was like, "No, I'm good. Why am I freaking out?" Because she said I needed an ultrasound, and I'm like, "What? I don't need an ultrasound. I don't want to do this. Everything's fine. We went through the ultrasound, awesome. and everything's good." But I had to talk to my cancer coach, and yeah. I was just like, "I'm freaking out, and why I wasn't expecting this." And so, we as Ways, our nonprofit, found um, Abby, and. I didn't know they existed. 
I had no idea. I happened to hear her on this another podcast. This is the first podcast. for me. Yeah. I happened to hear her on another podcast and it was a nurse friend of mine who does a podcast. And I said, who is this? I have to meet her. Yeah. I need her in my life. My clients need her in their life. And so she coaches people through the cancer journey, survivorship, all the things. So I got a resource for you. Yeah. Um, that's great to hear. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the first I'm hearing of, of something like that, yeah. which means that people who don't have that access are probably having an even harder time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, And this is, you know, and I, this is kind of what brings full circle. The idea of this podcast is the fact that I follow a lot of people on social media going through their cancer journey right Mm -hmm. now, because it's almost a a form of therapy right there Mm -hmm. is like, I'm not alone. Um, But the stories that they, they constantly go through of having to fight to get things approved Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. that should just be, I mean, it should be just straightforward. Yeah. And I always say it should be in your care plan. You should have, okay, here's going to be your treatment, your surgeries, your chemos, whatever it is. And then your therapist and your dietitian Mm -hmm. and all the things. And they're just not. And I, you mentioned social worker and I had one assigned to me, but I never spoke to her ever the whole time. They didn't call me. They didn't check on me. They didn't. And I didn't know to reach out. I was going through so much other stuff that I didn't even really know to reach out. So if you don't know, you don't know. Right. And you're not in the, and you're not in the headspace to, to try. No. Right. Right. I mean, you're dealing with so many emotions that I tend to, again, with the control issues, like if I lose control of one thing or I can't predict something, then everything else starts to fall apart on the perimeter, right? right? Yep. Where I, and I shut down. And so trying to research how to get help for myself beyond just the physical and get help for my brain mm-hmm. was a huge like chore that yeah. I didn't want to face. Right. Um, and so like for Kaiser, I would say the social worker attends the calls with the oncologist. Oh, that's fantastic. So you know they're there. Okay. Uh, you know their name. Um, you know, they exist. And that's the first thing they do is they're like, here's your social worker. Good. But if that's not a standard practice, then people are just getting off the phone with their oncologist with no direction on how to just deal with the net waiting for the biopsy results waiting for the scans. Um, The oncologists are crazy busy, they can't email you back that day or that mm-hmm. night. And so yeah. who do I reach out to? Right. Or do I just sit here all day with my own thoughts? Right. Um, the access issue has become a very big deal for me. Yeah. Um, and as a lobbyist, I've seen bills try to move through the process that add access and don't make it because of this like fierce pushback from the insurance oh. industry and the health plan industry. And it's just really hard to watch. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so sad to hear because we don't see it from that side. And we're just wondering what the hell, why, why is this not just a standard of care? How are we, there's so many people diagnosed with cancers and then you have your rare cancers, Mm -hmm. something like this, that why isn't it a standard of care? Why aren't we being just led through a little bit more smoothly and help us out? And then when you're all clear, you're really just screwed because <laughs> nobody's just there for you. No. They're like, they, bye-bye. They did their part. They got you through it. So mm-hmm. now just be happy that they got you through it. Yeah. yeah. Why are you Good sad? luck. Yeah. yeah. Swift kick out of that front door. Right. Right. I mean, I had to walk myself down the UCSF stairs. <laughs> 
They were like, see you, goodbye. Oh my God. It was nice to shove you. <laughs> we don't need to take out our other kidneys. So. <laughs> oh, so that, that is one way to take care of yourself with right. one kidney. Yeah. Yep. Just push myself down the stairs. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's just insane. So you had your surgery and then now you're on every three months. Yeah, my next scan will be in uh, December. Okay. Um, I'm at four months instead of three months, which is a woohoo, wow. big deal. Okay. Um, because you know how it is, like every period between yeah. um, is like kind of a breath you can plan. I'm, when you're in this headspace, it's like I, people are saying, hey, let's go on this vacation in February or March, you know, especially crystal who's like hey let's do you know let's go to guam in, in april or something and i'm like or if i do not defend her that she does not want to go to guam i will never hear the end of it true but true. Is going i would never somewhere. want to go to guam she is going somewhere at unless, all times unless so. there's a dog there to rescue true then she'll go then yeah. she might go <laughs> but, but I, I don't plan like right. i tell people I, I finally got comfortable telling people even if it's if let's say the scans on December second, if they want to do dinner on December 9th, I'm like I I'm not planning that yet. No. Yeah, because my brain does not want to have to cancel something right. if I get bad news. Yeah, and that's how it is every you know three or four months. Gosh, oh, which is so you're living life. Cancer coach would come in handy. Yep, in four month increments. Yes, yeah, and I've just been you know when you talk about survivorship, I people talk about survival guilt. And I've always thought that was kind of a, um, a trip. Like I'm like, that can't exist. You're just happy. And you go along your life. Oh, no. Um, it's, it's not, I feel there's no reason that I should be here in somebody else with epithelial sarcoma. Mm -hmm. uh, I lost somebody two months ago who I had started talking to who was 21 years old. Oh, um, I'm so sorry. And you know, had it for four years and, and passed because they just couldn't get it under control. And it's just that kind of stuff goes through yeah. your head as, as in why, right. you know, you go through the whys and you want to be happy, but at the same time, it's like, it's, how did I get here? It's such a mind game. I had a friend pass who we both ended up with triple negative breast cancer, rarer mm -hmm. than most. And it, she, she passed and I didn't. And I, of course, am so thank God and grateful that I'm here. But it's like, why? Why could she? Why Why did it have to take her? And that that you can't rationalize it. And it just makes me crazy. And I still go through that where it's just going, you know, living in that fear versus grief, yeah. that, that state of, I don't even know which way to go. And where's the happy? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Where is Where's that, that relief? Right. That you everybody know? is expecting you to constantly be feeling, right? Be grateful, be grateful, be You're positive. So lucky you oh my made god. It. If I hear that one more time, I will punch somebody in the face. You guys <laughs> could do an entire series on what not to say to cancer. We want to. We want to and we will have you back for it. I have I have started writing them down. Mm -hmm. Like the main thing that I hate is do not ever tell somebody, well, you could die in a car accident tomorrow. So yep. why are you so worried about it? Be grateful for today. Well, guess what? Mm -hmm. Today's hard. <laughs> I want to be grateful for eight years from now. Yes. That's what I want. Yes. Yeah. 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 I, I completely agree. The, the guilt, the survivor guilt is strong. It is. Yeah. It is. It's such a mind game. And it's just, you know, it, I get the, well, you're six years out. Aren't you so happy? I still... I, I'm getting better. Yeah. 
but it's still there. It's a mind game and I don't know how to navigate. I just found Abby. Like yeah. <laughs> it's been six years and I just found my cancer coach. Yeah. So it's like, I, I'm working on it. Your brain is never in remission from now, that You experience. know what? That is a great way to put it. Your brain is not ever in remission no, from it. You, I mean, the evidence of disease is always there in your mind. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. you're waiting yes. for it to come back. You're waiting for that. It's it's such a it's such a deep internal trauma mm-hmm. that I mean you're waiting for it to happen again. Yeah, yeah. and you're always on high alert looking yes. for it. Oh you know, yeah, like oh I have this dull ache in yes. my you know knee or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like oh my god, it must it it's got to be mess. cancer. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna lose my leg. Yeah, Damn oh it. yeah, we've talked about it before. Where I've had it all. I've had brain cancer. I've had bone <laughs> oh, yeah. cancer. Oh yeah, it's all it's come back and it's ravaged me. Mm-hmm. I mean I you do this to yourself mm-hmm. and people don't. And what is wrong with you? Aren't you so you know happy and aren't you grateful? Relieved? And, yeah. yeah, and and it's like it's not rational but i can't i can't get get my head around you know try to anyone else gone going through a trauma or have gone through a trauma try telling anyone else that's gone through that just to be rational like, right it doesn't happen no, like you no. can't there's no rationality in planning your death no which is every cancer patient and anybody who's had to face some kind of diagnosis that could be terminal yeah um there's there's no rational point of view there no, um, because you're not supposed to do that before right. it's the natural time to go. Right. right. Um, and we're thinking it shouldn't have happened to me. It shouldn't happen to anyone. It shouldn't. So now it did. Yeah. And I got to figure this shit out. Right. Right. And as, I, as I'm battling the headspace, I have to figure out what steps to, right. you know, be put in a rational state of mind right. so I can deal with this. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh. Well, and one person's rational is, you know, everybody has different levels of rational. Yeah. My bar is very low. And as, <laughs> as Leah has taught me, don't sh- you stop shooting on me. Yeah. You should feel this. You should feel that. And stop shooting on me. Like, That's I, a good one. I like that. I love mm-hmm. it. <laughs> stop <laughs> shooting on like yourself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, my rationale, and this will take a, a left turn here, but... I don't know if I've talked to you about this, but my dad, before going into law enforcement, was a a Marine um, and had my mother not passed when I was six, he probably would have retired from the Marine Corps. Um, We were stationed in Camp Lejeune in 1984. You really do, don't you? Well, uh, one of their. one of the the outcomes within that lawsuit is is kidney or liver cancer, oh. and my mom, my mother, um, when I was six, so this was would have been 1986. Don't do the math on that, please. <laughs> um, had a mass uh, in her abdomen. Oh, um, and this was before the magic year of 1990. Um, and had a mass in her abdomen uh, that by the time she went to the doctor for it had spread. To her lungs and her liver, oh uh, and she died two weeks later. <gasps> oh my gosh! I'm um, so sorry. Same spot, uh, same presentation. Um, but 1990 was when they labeled when they, this as an epithelial yeah. sarcoma. Right. Um, oh so that's just another layer of trauma yeah. on top of a yeah. really hard situation, right? And thinking back, it's like. Um, for those you know listening who don't know about the Camp Lejeune lawsuit, 
uh, in the 80s on this military base, the the water was contaminated contaminated with like several different types of incredibly toxic chemicals. Um, They have a graveyard full of babies who were born dead, um, children Mm -hmm. who died of leukemia, a lot of kidney and liver cancers. Um, And so this would have been, you know, the prime period where my mom passed um, and she had it in the right spot. Um, it would have been before they labeled it any kind of sarcoma. Right. right. And then when I was 13, because I'm the human version of a lemon car, um, I was really, you know, tall and skinny and grew up fast. So, of course, I had scoliosis, which they found it in one of those weird seventh grade bend over while I oh run my, my finger gosh, down yes. your back. <laughs> I remember feeling the finger go to the left and, and then like, go oh. to the right. And I'm like, son of a <laughs> American healthcare, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> when they made you bend over and check your back oh, and then yeah. they took the pick in your hair and checked was your this while they were Was this while they were doing the presidential fitness test <laughs> while you were, you know, had your feet on the box and then you bent No, I passed that part. <laughs> Did not pass the straight spine section of, of the testing. Mm. That's okay. I suck at breathing. So, <laughs> good for you to still be here. But I had to have surgery for that as well. And they did a they did a um, an MRI to figure out you know what they were doing there. And, and there was this tiny spot on my right kidney. Oh, and this was nineteen ninety three. And they said, "Look, um, we're going to go do the surgery, but." you should know she has a cyst on her right kidney. And if it gets any bigger, we're, you know, we're gonna have to do something for it. Well, after scoliosis surgery, they maybe do a couple x-rays after that, and you're good to go, right? Another kick you on your ass out the door. And so there was never really any follow up. But the main uh, way that sarcomas are diagnosed are as cysts. So it makes you wonder, it makes me wonder, you know, this whole like, mom died with a tumor in the same place. And then I had this weird cyst on my kidney. It's like, was this just a really long Camp Lejeune party in my abdomen moving forward? And is this why this tumor was so So large large and Dead and I was you know, say killing itself, you know, just and killing all. itself, growing, but like you know, and oh, so nice chilling. The fact Gosh. that it never I can't metastasize is just a miracle. Yeah, I don't actually. Wow. Yeah. yeah, there's no rhyme or reason. And for is that. that I'm assuming the same kidney that was removed? Yes. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Very strong correlation. And Weird. that's why we need the research. That's why right. we need the research. Um, yes, there is a small little, and you'll see it on my social media at least twice a year. Uh, it's called CCTDI. Shout out to them um, in Oregon. Um, small uh, research facility um, that has that focuses on childhood cancers. Okay. And sarcoma is generally um, a, a childhood Child, cancer, yeah. um, which you've probably been doing this long enough to know that that's the most underfunded cancer type, actually Mm -hmm. underfunded anything um, in the U S it accounts for 2% of cancer research funding, which is mind blowing. Insane. Um, So there's just not very much treatment for kids who get sarcoma. Sarcoma. Um, And and the, I I don't want to call it popular, but the most common, and I'm sure you heard of it is osteosarcoma, Mm -hmm. which is the bone cancer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and that tends to get the most funding, but even then it's just, it's pretty much tiny. nothing. Yeah. Interesting. Um, wow. So we need to do better. Yeah. We have to. The whole country needs to do better. Yeah. yeah. When I know it's hard too, because 
I know there's ethical issues about getting, you know, children's consent to mm-hmm. be um, studied and right. researched. And even case studies. I don't know. I feel like there's something we can do better, yeah. you know. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, thankfully, I know that like our state Medicaid covers children's cancer medications. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, unfortunately, if you're of a certain age, you're you're screwed, but childhood cancers, they're able to get what they need. Yeah, that's great news. Um, I, I think, you know, along the lines of not only research or treatment, but like for adults, it's the leave situation too, right? Yeah. Where if you're mm-hmm. working, like I was blessed. Um, well, shoot, I mean, that's when COVID was a blessing, right? Uh, yeah. I came home and within eight days, I was on Zoom calls for work just because that's how oh, I wow. am. And it took my mind off stuff, right? Yeah. But um, I was able to recuperate at home and I, I worked for a public agency. I, I represented LA County and their leave policy was like enormous. I mean, it was just so um, gracious and well, it allowed you, you to take the time to, to give heal. your body what it needed. Yeah. So that yeah. my brain would work. Right. Yeah, right and right. there just aren't that many, there are not that many employers like that. No, um, not at you all. You know, without having to go on short-term disability mm-hmm. And lose like a quarter of your pay. And, yeah. and we've talked about how people have lost their homes. They've lost yeah. everything because they couldn't afford, afford their you know homes or lifestyles or anything after cancer because their insurances or their they lost their jobs yep. or whatever. And it's just so sad. It it's, is sad. I feel like I heard this one. Um, I can't even say it's a, a statistic because I don't know the percentage, but it was a a quote from some article that I was reading that most Americans, whether they realize it or not, are like one crisis away from becoming homeless. And typically that's a mm-hmm. medical crisis. Mm-hmm. Yep. That is absolutely true. Yeah. I That makes sense to me. Yeah. Because of the medical crisis. Yeah. And right now with, in this economy, <laughs> most people living paycheck to paycheck, yeah. you can't afford to miss even no. a week of work right. without than being behind. And right. Even if you go on disability, you're getting a fraction yeah. of what you would make and how we've d- discussed this. How yeah. would you make it? How, yeah. you know, if you had to go on a fraction of your pay yeah. and you're already living paycheck to paycheck and you're battling yeah. cancer or something like that, it's just, it's have the to come home. <laughs> well, so, and that brings up a really good point where a lot of, I keep saying a lot of the cancer people I follow on social media, I sound like a total doofus, but (laughs) I really do like track these stories, um, have gone home to live with their parents, um, because it was the only way they could afford. Yeah. So uh, you were saying that, um, because you had to go outside of Kaiser, were you responsible for a portion Zero of that? dollars. I never saw one good. bill. Oh, oh thank goodness. Oh I, gosh, that, I just, I don't even know how it happened. That had to be over a million dollar surgery. Yeah. Oh my God. Um, I, 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 you hear a lot of um, flack about Kaiser. Um, I've had, you know, my own run-ins with them. I will never... Uh, I'm forever indebted to that yeah. system. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm indebted through. to the doctors that mm-hmm. got me there. Yeah. Um, and be- those that were willing to take the chance and to fight. Right. Yeah. And that valued you and your life mm-hmm. enough to say, I'm going to give her a chance. Yeah. yeah. And I think a lot of that had to do with um, 
when you look at my charts and you look at the notes from the from the oncologist and the surgeon in, at Kaiser San Francisco who referred me out, all of them say very healthy 40-year-old mm-hmm. with mass, right? And that's their focus. And it's probably what got me referred out was very, very healthy. healthy. But everything's right with this person except for this mass. Right. Yeah, I was like, she does boot. She rides Peloton. She does boot camp. <laughs> that's she has what, a trainer. That's like, what pissed me off too, right? I'm like, <laughs> come on, man. Well, I'm and like- I should. I really need to redo your introduction because as I'm sitting here thinking, I'm like, you did so much more. Even I mean, you ran Ragnar races. Oh and- my gosh, that's. Yeah, I mean, forget Costa Rica. I mean, back and like from through Ragnar and stuff, and um, which was crazy, right? I mean, I was doing all of that with a seven-inch tumor in my abdomen, um, which is nuts to me. But and I will, I tell people now, I think the workouts are what helped kill that thing, right? And I will to my dying day, whenever that is, hopefully in four years. Control issues, yes, and my control issues. Um, Any I tell people, you got a new oh, client. Yes. <laughs> What's her name? Abby. Here I come, girlfriend. <laughs> Meet Faith Conley. I tell people, if you can, you've got to move. You yeah. have to move your yeah. body. Mm-hmm. You have to do whatever it takes to get your endorphins moving, to build muscle, mm-hmm. um, to get the blood flowing, to do whatever it takes to make the rest of your body healthy right. so mm-hmm. that, I can, it, that it can recognize something like that and say, whoa. Not today, right? Here. And I think yep. that's the only thing. Because look, I don't have great genes. I mean, I've walked you through the shit that I've dealt yeah. with here. Um, yeah, I, I mean, really, I was set up to fail. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, I, I was meant to not be here. Um, I I try to tell people, and that's another thing about the medical system, where it's like nobody at Kaiser or UC San Francisco told me uh, to work out. No, no right. there's never been a nutrition follow up. There's nope. I'm lucky in the fact that I do that on my own because mm-hmm. it makes me feel better. That it's that it's never been a basis from childhood to where I am now. Right. There's never been an undertone of what will make your body work better. Right. And you said so many thousands of people daily get diagnosed with cancer. Mm-hmm. My biggest issue is this country does not focus on prevention. Nope. No. No. Um, yeah. There is no education in schools, at the doctor's office, with what it means to actually eat healthy, what it means to exercise. Yeah. You get the whole, you know, pee, we're playing dodgeball today, and that's fine. Sure. Um, but there's no focus on high-level prevention. No. No. And we had... Um, a woman named Sarah Stratton on here doing um, oncology nutrition. And she had the most amazing, Julia took notes, drew a little person, said for my brain, for my this, for the whole diet off of her. And you know, she had the most amazing information, but you have to find her Mm -hmm. or you have to find someone like them. And it's not through insurance and it's not through your doctor. And if you don't know, you don't know. Why isn't this information being taught early on accessible yeah because to me that would save insurance companies millions of dollars if we all started just being healthier um but the access to that information is hard Mm -hmm. but what is floating out there is 
go to juice and fast for 30 days and right. you'll cure your cancer or don't get the chemo uh focus on this you know weird Press pineapple juice right. right or stick lion's mane up your ass and suddenly <laughs> right. you're gonna cure your cancer that's what's free and accessible exactly exactly instead of like actually if you avoid processed meats and limit your alcohol intake i don't really do that last part very well <laughs> then you're going to drastically reduce and eat right. more green leafy vegetables and go for a walk. Right. You yeah, know, right. that's not out there. Yeah. No. Or if it is, it seems like inaccessible because yeah. people are living in such a frenzied state and such a state of survival yeah. mm -hmm. that they're shoving what's convenient Convenience. into their mouths mm -hmm. and um, not moving their bodies. Mm -hmm. And yeah. Yeah. Jeez. I totally agree with that. Yeah. yeah. So now we are, remind me how long out to almost coming up two and a half uh, From years? surgery, about two and a half years. Okay. Um, and then October this 20th month, is three years? Yeah, three years after diagnosis, okay. Um, okay. which is nuts. I feel yeah. like it's been 10 years, but I also feel like it's been six months. Right. Something mm -hmm. like this. I have not actually, this is the first time I've told the story. The story. I've blogged it. It's yeah. really easy for me to write, but this right. is the first time I've told it and it's stuff like this that I'm like oh my god that feels like last week you yeah. know yeah which is you know how that feels where mm -hmm. it's just like man it's in there yeah <laughs> yeah well and I de and I definitely appreciated you being vulnerable and opening up and blogging about your experience because it allowed people to check in on you um because, you know, I didn't want to bother you or I didn't know what you were going through mm -hmm. or how you were feeling. And so um, it was a good way to let people know where you were at right. and then invite us in to your experience, mm -hmm. kind of. Um, yeah, that's and, really good to know. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, it that. just and I don't know. It just. It made me feel like. And I don't know if you felt this, but it just made me feel like, okay, I'm checking up on my friend. I want to know how she is, you know, if there's anything that I need to do to step in or offer my, yeah. you know, anything. Um, so yeah, thank you for allowing us to check in on you. Yeah. I really appreciate that. Um, it was a form of therapy. It was also, I work in an industry where, for lack of a better word, it's kind of this bubble, right? And mm -hmm. it's like word gets out and spreads like wildfire. And so what I was thinking when I did that was there's going to be a lot of work people mm -hmm. that are talking to each other. And I want everybody to have the most accurate story. And it be yours. And it be my story. Right. right. And I have a really hard time accepting help mm -hmm. or love or hugs or any, any, anything that makes me feel like I'm going to, you know, have feelings. <laughs> <laughs> um and so this was an easy way to put it all out there and let people feel it on their own mm -hmm. without needing, without asking me about it, without needing yeah. to get the full, without me retelling it and having to, you know, invite in and, yeah. um, their thought process. Or ha you having to set your feelings aside to comfort them. So, yes. Yes. Oh, and that, that will, that will be featured on your <laughs> podcast about what not to do with cancer yes, patients. Yes, it will. Yes. yes. Um, unless oh, it's boy. your children or your husband or, you know, even other family members besides people you take care of. Mm -hmm. um, I was not prepared to no. do that. I had a cousin and I love her dearly, so I'm sure she'll listen to this, but I've already talked to her about it. <laughs> 
her immediate response was to start bugging me with questions because she was going to get a full genetic gene panel done to make sure she didn't have it. And so for the, you know, for the like next month, I'm getting questions about what blood test did you get at Kaiser? What kind of test? Who's do this? What's your background so I can give it to my geneticist? And it wasn't until probably a, a year and a half later that I told her like, that pissed me off. Yeah. Like that, it's the worst thing to do to somebody who's just been delivered this information. Like, I'm not trying to help you not get cancer at this point. I'm trying to stay alive. Stay alive. I'm not a goner yet. (laughs) I'm still here trying. We had a similar situation with my my stepdad, um, my bonus dad, and he has a blood disorder. They, it's kind of like that. We kind of think it's cancer, but we kind of can't say for sure. So he's just been on a regimen of medications and stuff, and he's doing fantastic. Um, But a family member, I won't call them out exactly, but (laughs) called him to just ask what it was, what I can do to make sure I don't have it or get it, or what can I be tested for, da, 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 but has never been checking up and asking, how are you? How, you know, what's going on? Da, da, da. It's been, well, what what can I do to make sure I don't have this? Which is kind of mind blowing. I mean, I, I, and, and I will say this, you know, when you do do your podcast about this topic, I respect the way that people react to this kind of news. You have to respect how they take it in, how mm-hmm. they respond, because they may not have control over that. Yeah. Um, they may have their own past trauma that lead them to react to you. You know, I had people who would text every day, did you get your results? Did you get your results? And that was their way of reaching out and yeah. seeing how I was probably. But for me, that was like, holy shit. Yeah. yeah. Anxiety ridden. Just yeah. Uh, like I'm like when I know something, I will let you know right, when I'm ready. And what I was saying, and maybe not, yeah. maybe not for a few days. Maybe I it might take me a moment right. to be able to relay my information. It's a lot of information. It's overwhelming. It's too much sometimes. I can't process it for you as well. Yeah. And so bl- I was going to say your blogging, I think is fantastic because it allowed people to know your story from you, what was going on, and you not having to retell it over and over and over. And my family, you know, Ben included, um, were and my in-laws were directing people to the blog when they were asked Good. Um, and letting folks know, please don't reach out to her for the story. Go to the blog. It was, it, it's, the blog is called, uh, it actually is a tumor.com. And I only bring that up, not for like clout, but um, it does provide, uh, you know, if you are diagnosed with cancer, if you've been through cancer, it does provide kind of a map um, that I went through from the beginning to the end of the surgery. Um, and my, my case I feel was one of the best case scenarios. So I feel like it provides a good map on what may have went wrong that got fixed, um, or how, you know, to look at it and and get kind of the care you need. Um, which is how I would, yeah, Yeah, that's good information. And, and really how to, you know, there's a lot of really just bad, bad humor in there where it's just like, <laughs> you can tell I'm in a super dark spot and I don't know any other way. Yeah. Um, 
like the hot doctor. So um, we, you know, he's still love, hot. You can we, look. <laughs> we love dark humor. We, it's how we get through. Right, it really it's, is. It's the only way I get through. Yeah. Um, you know, I'll I'll talk to Ben and I'll see a you know a hot woman walking somewhere. I'm like that could be a good could backup wife. Oh, <laughs> you know, it's like stuff like that. Like, do you want me to get her number just in case things go wrong? Like, I don't know. You know, I want you to be set up. Like, you are accustomed to very good lifestyle, and I want you to still have that. Oh my gosh! Um, oh, yeah, man. I mean, that's just. I mean, you know. I love. It. I, know. I love it. I love it. Your eye type of person for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I'm really looking forward to our uh, next podcast. <laughs> what not to say? What not? What not to do? What not to say? With the caveat, I, I respect you. Thank you for checking yes. in. But f off. Yes, that's the name of my book. <laughs> I love, I love it. it. Thank you, but F off. <laughs> I appreciate you. Get out. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's a working title. It's a working t- yeah. Working on it. My publisher wants me to like cut it down a little bit. <laughs> like I've got a series. That's right. <laughs> true. <laughs> a young adult. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, Faith, thank you for being here and for sharing your story. And I feel better. I gotta say, Good. you guys should sell this as Good. therapy for cancer patients. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> we had, we've yeah. been told. We've been told a couple times that wow, this was I we had um a two-parter just recently, and her and her husband just sat down and listened to it. They did not listen to it when it first came out. And I got a text on Saturday and she's like, We that was awesome. That was amazing. And it was like therapy. And she said, first time she sat down and told her whole story and she's been 11 years out. So we had one other person too, that it was her first time telling it from beginning Beginning to end. end. Yep. She, you know, we laughed, we cried and, you know, she was like, wow, I really needed to piece it all together and and really talk about it. And it was the same when I I was the first spotlight and Leah sat here and interviewed me and it was just like, whoa. And we actually sat down afterwards and kind of re just kind of went over everything and we were like okay we could even go further <laughs> well i gotta tell you i had a heart like i had to i think i got maybe three quarters of the way through that and i yours and i had to turn oh. it off because i was like oh this oh. is bringing everything back and yeah. then so when you asked me i was like i don't know if i can do this yeah. um and i mean and i was a little hesitant to ask you because it is such an intimate thing yeah. that we are asking you to share. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we really appreciate your vulnerability. Yeah. It, you. I just, it's going to help other people. It yeah. really I is. I hope so. I, you know? I, you know, I, I think the main message I, I want to tell people is it's really hard to be told to advocate for yourself. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you have to, but I don't want to just tell people that without giving them some kind of background, how to do that. Yeah. Um, and how, you know, you can't just be told to be strong. That's bullshit. It like that's bullshit. Bu- like knit that on a pillow if you want to do right. that. Right. Right. But, <laughs> like there are 75 steps with 82 roadblocks yep. involved in being strong yeah. and being your own advocate. Yeah, and absolutely. that's the info that has to get out there. And I'm a lucky case scenario. Um, there are far worse stories in mine with people who can give you much better advice, but my blog, my story, that's mm-hmm. what I want to get out there is yeah. is how to help people feel like this isn't just a be positive moment. No. Um, and then the access moment. issue. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. all I care about. Well, and I do appreciate the way that you continue to advocate and um, 
I, I just look at you and I think I see everything that you've done and how you've taken this situation and how mm-hmm. you have shared it to mm-hmm. impact others in a positive way. Yeah. And there may be days you don't feel strong, but whenever I see you working, starting your day, you know, throwing kettlebells or uh, (laughs) medicine balls or doing a freaking Murph, you know, like I just, I think you're a warrior and I think that you're amazing how you, um, continue to fight and that you, um, I just, I, I think you're awesome. Yeah. That means the world to me. Really to spread your message. And so before we go, tell us again about the research place in Oregon. Sure. Uh, so it's CCTDI, uh, Children's Cancer Therapy Development Institute, I believe is the name of it. Um, and uh, they are located in Oregon. It's a small uh, little shop, um, but they have a series of doctors that come through and do research um, for childhood cancers. And they've, I mean, it's rhabdos, rhabdosarcoma, Ewing sarcoma, oh, wow. Um epithelioid sarcoma and epithelioid sarcoma is this like one little research arm that they have that is slowly but surely getting funding um and i do a couple of fundraisers a year um and i'll be happy to share that absolutely Um, share those on our yes i would say tag us in the social medias we'll put them up whenever you're doing them Mm -hmm. absolutely awesome yeah and then tell us about your blog and one more time what is it it's a riff on a movie that Julie is probably too young for um, <laughs> called Kindergarten Cop. And I oh, love yeah. Kindergarten oh, Cop. Yes. Okay, we know. <laughs> and it's called uh, It Actually Is a Tumor. Oh, because it's not a tumor. It's not, not a tumor. <laughs> I was like, God I damn it, Faith. Like, <laughs> I feel that all the time. I didn't get it until just now. Yep. I'm oh. like, how are you going to make me laugh and cry at the same time? <laughs> I initially want to say, fuck, it is a tumor. Yep. But the internet it was like, nah, we don't, we don't, we do don't that. support that. It's probably some porn. It, <laughs> hey, our podcast has an explicit rating. We do. I should have asterisk that. <laughs> F asterisk, asterisk, asterisk. It is a tumor. I love oh it. Just thank thank you, you so much. Yeah. Just, thank you, guys. It this has been, been such an honor to hear your story and to share it. And it's such rare information yeah. that I think this was so important. So important. Good. I'm really glad I... I could be here to to learn about it. I had zero idea. I think a lot of people could probably say the same thing. And the fact that, you know, you unfortunately had to go through it, but can now, you know, teach you know the world about it and continue to spread the, you know, spread information about it and just really advocate for funding for research is just amazing. Thank you. You guys could probably do a whole podcast on childhood cancer issues and yeah. research. So yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Well, and everybody um, out there listening, if you have any topics that you would like us to delve into or um, would like to hear any, you know, certain, or if you have a story that you would like to share, uh, please send us an email at podcast at weareyoursupport.com. And follow us on all of our social media at LTFC underscore podcast. Listen to us on all the podcasting platforms. And we will be with you next week with some tips and tricks. So thank you, Faith, for being here tonight. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. See you next week. your support. Thank Thank you for talking cancer. cancer.